Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire Signature NHL Hockey Pod Podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host, as always, is AJ Scholes, who's a great follow at AJ Scholes24, based in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, near Rotowire headquarters over in Madison. We're grateful for the support from our sponsors at Owner's Box, and we also want to remind you that we're knocking out of the park on a daily basis with DraftKings. So if you follow them, you'll be able to hit them up and watch us on a daily hit that we do about hockey and uh, preparing you for the night's DFS outings. And we are on fire there. And I think we're in sync in terms of what to expect tonight. So I'm looking forward to our DFS segment later in the show. But partner, we have some headlines to go through. Uh, why don't you take us through a couple of coaching changes situations? We'll, we'll do them one at a time. What's going on in Vancouver? Yeah, so uh, green out there uh, for Vancouver with them struggling. Probably about the least uh, surprising thing I've ever seen. Uh, Benning out as GM as well. Um, and what is the thing I hate most about NHL coaching changes is they have gone back to the well, um, as it seems every single team does, uh, and hired Bruce Boudreaux to be their coach, uh, formerly of the Capitals, Ducks, Wild, you get my drift. Uh, he's coached a, a number of teams here, which that's not to say he's a bad coach, but it just, you know, it seems like they're always, uh, there's never anybody new that comes in. Now, to be fair, Green was a bit of a newer hire, and so maybe that's the reason for that change. Um, but additionally, news coming out today that former Penguins general manager Jim Rutherford is going to step in as president of hockey operations and then also will fill the interim GM role. Now, they were clear interim GM there uh, that he will hire somebody uh, new that, that he wants and kind of mentor and groom. Um, I have seen kind of early indications that his job will also be partially to help groom the Sedins uh, to potentially uh, you know, take over in some sort of leadership role long term as well. Yeah, I think that's the the key. It's a longer term play. And the Sedins are thinking, you know, we have quite a legacy here in Vancouver. And I don't think they want to be thrown into a situation that looks like it's just destined for failure this year. So they're, they would prefer rather to get some upward trajectory before they, they get involved. I think that's that's the situation in a nutshell. And in the interim, they have another veteran Canuck. This guy must bleed the green and the green and other colors in the jersey. Stan Schmiel has been around this team forever as a player and in middle management roles, and uh, he's the interim GM right now, but really a placeholder until Rutherford gets the address and shows up. Uh, I think to get things rolling along in a positive sense. But Boudreau, uh, an interesting hire. His first job in Canada, he's all excited about that. I had thought it would come in Toronto by now because uh, he bleeds blue and white. That's the truth, AJ, of the matter, uh, coming up through the Leafs organization years ago as a player. and uh, But he's he's really succeeded almost wherever he's been as a coach, and the fans have an instant love affair with him based on the first two games that they've won so far. So early returns are positive in Vancouver, and I think they have a, a smarter-looking management coaching situation uh, looking forward. And, and it's unfortunate you mentioned Travis Green uh, Again, uh, ties to Toronto as a player and a guy who had some success out West as a coach in the junior leagues in Canada. Uh, got a bit of a tough uh, tough pill delivered in Vancouver, and I hope he gets another shot. You talk about recycled uh, coaches. This guy has, 
has a pretty good resume, and I don't think it'll be long before he gets another gig in the NHL. And then what about the change in Philadelphia, AJ? It looks like Mike Yo is in and Alan Vigneault is out. As soon as I saw Vigneault being booted out of Philadelphia, I thought, when when are the Montreal rumors going to start for this guy? But I want to know what you think about the situation in Philly. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's obviously uh, they they have really been struggling. And, you know, Paul, we we both talked, I think, at the, the start of the season that um, he's, you know, had a, a pretty good, uh, like, team. Like, there, there's there's talent on this team. It's not, it's not like he has a bad team. And um, so, yeah, you know, they're obviously underperforming. And he's another guy that, that when they hired him in the first place, you know, it was like, oh, uh, this guy again. I mean, you look, speaking strictly head coaching, you know, Montreal, Vancouver, the Rangers, now the Flyers. It's like, you know, it's, at some point you would think that a, a guy would stop getting uh, new chances. Now, you know, I, I agree with you on, on Green. that This was his first full NHL coaching job. I, I'm not certainly not suggesting, you know, one shot and done, but – you know, we're talking about Boudreaux and Vin, uh, Vignet, who've been around for a really long time and just keep seeing, you know, keep seeing to get jobs um, without, you know, really doing much. This is honestly the second time he's been fired midseason. The Canadians let him go back in 2000, uh, partway through the year. So, um, yeah, I, I think Mike Yo, from everything I heard, it sounded pretty clear that it was. Uh, a temporary, mm-hmm. uh, an interim situation, and that they were still going to be looking for a head coach there. Now that doesn't mean he couldn't, uh, you know, be in the mix for that spot. But it is, um, from my understanding, it is not such that that the job is Mike Yo's beyond uh, the current situation with with any sort of guarantee. Right. I, I think that's a very good assessment. Uh, I think there's another shoe that has to drop there in Philly and will be among the first to report it, I'm sure. But uh, so far, it looks like they're going to give him a little bit of a look to see if he can just smooth the waters. Like you said, there's a lot of talent on this roster, but they've underdelivered as a group. And uh, right now, mired in a 10-game winless streak that has you bawling your eyes out, I'm sure, uh, at the end of each day that you look at the NHL summaries. <laughs> so up next, we want to also cover before we get into our weekly look around the league a couple of suspensions aj that uh what that occurred in the same game and then a, a, another interesting hit that may go unpenalized i'm talking about the suspensions leveled to neil pionk and jason spezza in the sunday night affair in winnipeg uh, something of a rivalry is uh, informed at least from the winnipeg sense they think that because they played the leafs 10 times in the north division that that it was the basis for a rivalry and they celebrated like they won the cup after that that game but during the course of the contest there were a couple of injuries uh one to uh pre- precede the the suspension trend uh, trend talk and that is rasmus sandin was uh hit on a knee on knee collision by neil pionk that only got the guy a minor penalty. That was a, a major penalty if I ever saw one. It was a knee-on-knee. Knee. The guy, the youngster was hurt. He was prone on the ice. That's an automatic five-minute penalty, in my opinion. It was only deemed a minor. The leaf bench, they showed the reaction. They were beside themselves, and the most vocal from the bench they had a mic on was Jason Spezza. So it was a bit of a surprise given that Spets has never been involved in any kind of activity like this, but he made a targeted attempt to hit Neil Pionk and he hit him with a knee in his head and, and gave him a concussion. 
So he was given a six-game suspension. Pionk was later served a two-game suspension for the original knee on Sandine. I wonder if you saw the incident and or what you think about these suspensions. Yeah, I, I saw both uh, both hits. Uh, I you know I I think both suspensions were were honestly fair. Yeah. Um, you know, Pionk, you're right, should have been penalized in the game five minute. And honestly, if he had, there, there's a chance that maybe they would have just given him like a one game suspension. That has been um, a factor in the past, whether or not a player is um, penalized during the game or not. So, um, but I do think it's it, it's fair on on both accounts. Um, you know, Spezza, there, there's clear there's clear intent. No and question. And the fact that Pionk is, you know, he's kind of like on his knees almost to make a play with his hands, like. Spets yeah. is going in there to, to kill him, uh, yeah. you yeah. know? And so I, I do think they're fair. Um, I, I find it interesting that Spets is going to um, dispute the, or going to um, challenge the appeal. Ruling. Yeah. Appeal yeah. the decision here. Uh, you know, with that appeal process, how it is like, first of all, the appeal goes to Gary yeah. Bettman, who yeah. is not historically uh, good at, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> prone to overturning suspensions from the league. <laughs> so then you get to the arbitrator point and then they have to like Spets is going to miss six games. I think the only difference comes in is whether they end up having to pay him, you know, for like, cause when you're suspended, you don't have to get paid. So, right. you know, if they drop the suspension of four games, I, I don't expect that to happen until after, well, after these games have been played. Um, so then he would just get back pay for the two games that he didn't have to be suspended. So, um, that's really all I think is at stake here. Given, like I said, given the length of this process, if he does take it all the way to uh, arbitrator, I, I don't think we're going to see Spezza back before the 19th. Here's what I'll say about all that. I, I agree with everything you said, but there is a chance, in my opinion, depending on how quickly Pionk returns to the lineup, they may take a game off uh, if he appeals this process. And the money thing is in, in, inconsequential to Spezza, who's been in the league for over well over a thousand games. And he's on a minimum contract with the Leafs. I think his absence will cost something in the order of $21,000. I think that's chump change to a veteran like him. So it's, I don't think it's at all about the money. It certainly is about trying to get back into action, particularly at a time when, at a time when the Leafs are a little bit shorthanded. We'll get into that a little bit later. But it's a good segue as we are now two months into the schedule, AJ. And again, a lot of talk today about injuries, impacts on the rosters, and uh, suspensions factored in we, we discussed those already so without further ado i want to hand it over to you and uh, start us off with a look at the anaheim ducks uh, week that was yeah absolutely i mean the kind of biggest uh emergence storyline that I, I think has really been happening over the last week although you could say it's been happening for the the last uh for most of the season is sunny milano uh in the last four games three goals four assists all of which have been scored five on five. Uh, so, you know, he's, he's getting opportunities on the power play. Um, they, that's just not where his points are coming from. So uh, really pairing up very well with Trevor Zegras, which is good for them um, because they've got Ryan Getzlaff on IR with a lower body injury. Uh, as of, you know, December 3rd, he was labeled week to week. So, I don't think we'll be seeing him back for probably this week and maybe into next week here. Um, I, ha I haven't seen any updates on that, but really 
Uh, I would say of, of the last week, Sonny Milano has been the story alongside Zegras. Zegras has five assists in their, their last uh, three games. The two of them have been really pairing up well. Yeah, and they've juggled things up at center. Sam Steele now the number two guy. Isaac Lundstrom number three. That's because Adam Henrique is out with a lower body injury. It's not deemed serious, but he's out of the lineup, so uh, their roster needed to be adjusted, and that's the way they've gone. Uh, up next, the Arizona Coyotes. I'd normally like to do a player update here. Fact of the matter is this team is is reeling. They're one of the clubs that's really underperforming so far this year. And the biggest news about the club came off the ice, and it's not pretty, folks, when you, you consider that the hockey teams are a business and you got to pay your bills, man. And, and apparently they haven't been for a little while. They owe owed well over a million dollars. I know you and I talked about this before the show, and you told me that the latest that you heard was that they have paid their bills off. But, partner, I think where there's smoke, there's fire. This team's been... Uh, 31st in the league in terms of strength of franchise for several years. I think they're 32 with a bullet going down right now uh, with Seattle in the league. And uh, the commissioner, we mentioned Gary Bettman, he's tried to save this team before. I don't think he wants to do it again. So the message has got to be made very clear to the, to the ownership of Arizona that I, they don't want to hear excuses anymore. And there was a, a trite little excuse floated out today, AJ, that you heard. Why don't you fill our listeners in that it was a clerical error of some sort? Is that right? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all that they've, they've really said is, you know, oh, we're going to investigate how this happened. It was just a clerical error. We'll, we'll pay it right away, essentially. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, I hate to deprive any uh, town or any, you know, city of, of a sports team. It, it's always tough whenever a team moves. Um, you're, you're sad for those fans and, and whatnot, but let's just call a spade a spade. I, I'm not sure hockey in Arizona is really working out. Um, I do think, I, I think Houston would be a great market. It's a huge city. There's definitely hockey fans there. You'd have an uh, immediate rivalry with Dallas. I mean, they, they already have that in other sports, so it, it just fits right in. In the same way that Seattle fit in, to have immediate rivalries with places like Vancouver. And, and, you know, it just, Arizona doesn't have any natural rivalries. They've had to kind of roll with Pacific division rivalries, so to speak. And it's time to be done in my opinion, Paul. You know what? I have a little bit of a vested interest, uh, two things. I have family there. So I I get the greatest seats whenever I go out there. Uh, Nobody goes to the games. Uh, But number two, there is the notion of that. Austin Matthews in Toronto, uh, he's two and a half years away from free agency. And there's been all kinds of rumors around here that he is looking for the day when he can go back home. But he won't if there's no team there. So uh, that's, <laughs> that's a little something that I'm watching with a Spocky and I to see what impact that might have on his future if and when that time comes. Uh, does, would he still want out? I, I think he loves it in Toronto, but home is there's no place like home. So it'll be interesting to see how this thing plays out. And uh I don't think I lose no matter what happens. In any case, take us through now what's happening in Boston. This team has played fewer games than most, but to hang in there in the, in the league with a, a win and two overtime losses last week. Yeah, and they've had uh, some some absences from the lineup, uh, some guys dealing with illness. Fortunately for Boston, it's been uh, non-COVID illnesses that, that they've been impacted by. Um, but, you know, T- Thomas Nosek missed a game. Uh, Clifton missed a game. Brad Marchand was suspended for three games, two of those uh, coming in the last week. So he's only played in, in one game back here. So 
Um, you know, there's not a ton of offense rolling for them right now. Uh, Charlie, you know, in the last week, Charlie Coyle with three points kind of led the way. Um, Bergeron had one goal in three games. Uh, you know, Pasternak had just one assist. So really um, a bit of a struggle there in terms of of, of that. But, uh, you know, I think the team is, like you said, Paul, they're, they're chugging away. They're technically fifth in the Atlantic right now but again you know they've got even the closest they've got three fewer games than Tampa um so they're they're right there in the mix still AJ same can't be said for the Buffalo Sabres they're on another five game winless streak the only positive news offensively there's a couple of notes actually but Vinny Hinnestrosa two goals this is the kind of guy that is a guy that teams kind of kind of plug in and our placeholders while they get the, the next wave of young talent in place. He's a serviceable guy. And along with Ocposo uh, and Skinner, these guys are fine. Both those guys are finally scoring a little bit more than they have in each of the last two or three seasons. And still uh, they're on the books for a lot of money. So at least right now the team can say they're getting a bit of a return on that investment more so than they could have said in the past. But how's this for Buffalo luck? They acquire Malcolm Subban because they're desperate for somebody, uh, a warm body to put in the net. And he gets pulled after allowing five goals in his 50-minute debut. And on top of that now, we hear that he's got a lower body injury. So they just can't win for losing in Buffalo right now. And I'm hoping that the team has a bit bit of a better run of luck because they just have an outstanding fan base that has kind of turned their back on what's going on here. And it's sad for me to see the stands are not nearly – uh, full in Buffalo, like we're used to seeing there. So I hope things turn around for this, uh, the Queen City. Yeah, I mean, when I was a when I was a kid, we we lived in Buffalo for a while, and remember going to the games, and it was always packed. Of course, that was in the the heyday of the Dominic Hasek era. So um, that, that that guy was always a draw any any night that that he played in. So um, in Carolina. A one and two week, a little bit disappointing, um, or rather, I'm sorry, a, a two and one week for Carolina. Um, they beat Buffalo and Winnipeg, uh, and and so that that side of it is is certainly good. And then the production side, we have to talk about. You know, Sebastian Aho seven points in those three games. Vinny Trocheck four points as well. Same with Nita Ryder. Tivo Teravainen gets three goals. So really. Some of those big name guys uh, starting to step up here. The only one that's maybe uh, you want some more from still is Andrei Svechnikov. He's been a little bit down this year overall in in terms of uh, in terms of his numbers, but I think they're still decent. I mean, I guess maybe not totally down at 21 points in 23 games. It's not totally down, but just one goal in his last four games. Uh, so down lately, maybe not on the year, but um, so, but he'll turn it around. I mean, you look at his shot totals over those four games, he's got 14 on net. So they're, they're coming uh, for him. I, I think Svech, Svech will get his, get his goals eventually here. In Calgary, it's the usual suspects, AJ, but there's a couple of uh, stalwarts who've been around the club for a while that are finally also chipping in. We got the regulars, Lindholm with three points, Manjupani with three points, Godreau with four, and Kachuk with three. No surprise among any of those. But they also got a two-point game from Sean Monaghan last week, 
And that translated into him seeing a little more ice time, actually quite a significant uptick in one of those games, up to 19 minutes, where he was getting about 11 minutes for quite a long stretch. So maybe he's finding his way out of the doghouse uh, and uh, ready to contribute, but he's still listed as a center on the third line. And that's alongside Milan Lucic, who is another guy, a veteran there, who uh, carries a big ticket. But he hadn't topped the 10-goal mark for the last four seasons, AJ. And I got a note in him on him today just because he's got seven goals already and we are just past the quarter pole. So he too is another one of those guys that's finally looking like he's ready to contribute offensively. He brings a lot more to the table than some of the other guys that we've mentioned who have struggled so far today, but good for him for chipping in with a little more offense than we're used to seeing out of him the last few seasons in Calgary. Uh, They are already one of the stingiest teams defensively. So any depth contributions in terms of scoring just makes them a more difficult foe going forward. Well, in Chicago, we got to talk about uh, Mark Andre Fleury, uh, not just because, you know, as Paul likes to joke, I'm, you know, head of the Fleury Flam Club, which is not actually true. But um, if he can get a win tonight, it'll be number 500 for him in his career. That puts him with Martin Brodeur and Patrick Waugh as the only netminders with 500 wins. And you look at who might, uh, who else might be, you know, climbing that list. The next closest among active goalies, uh, I guess I'm assuming that Henrik Lundqvist is totally done. I, I don't know that he's officially retired, but um, the next closest there is Carey Price at 360. Um, so that's a, a pretty high uh, hill to climb there for him. Uh, for Price, that is, to get to 500 should um, maybe come close. But, yeah, so Flurry. Uh, it's interesting. So he started uh, the other night against the Rangers, lost that one, and now he gets a chance to win in Montreal, which is, again, a bit surprising for uh, a guy from Quebec. Uh, I'm not by any means suggesting he intentionally lost that game against the Rangers, but uh, it certainly is kind of interesting that he he drops that one and then has a chance to get 500 in, in his home province there. And uh, AJ, I'm pulling for him tonight. Uh, one of the good citizens in hockey. Everybody that I know around hockey circle says he might be the nicest guy out there in the entire NHL. So uh, hopefully he gets to do a lap after he wins the game in front of some uh, family and friends in Montreal. That'd be a cool sight. And anytime anybody beats Montreal, I'm happy. So uh, it could be a win-win <laughs> for, for you and me. Over in Columbus, the, the Jackets went one and three. They got com- uh, contributions from bottom six types last week. Corrali with two goals, Bocas with three points, Tetzier with four. He's one of the guys that they're pinning some of their future hopes on. And Oliver Bjorkstrand with another two goals as well. But Max Domi is a guy that I watched very closely when he played against the Leafs the other night. Bit of a non-factor, AJ, considering every time he comes back to Toronto, I, I expect him to play a fired-up kind of brand of hockey, but it was hard to find him out there on the ice for most of the night. He did get a goal with a fraction of a second left on the clock on a tip-in late that was inconsequential to the outcome. But I looked at his numbers, and, and uh, I got to say, at least he's starting to chip in a little bit of offense, seven points in his last nine games played. He's got to be one of their signature players here for this team to contend. Same goes for Patrick Laine, who's out with, for an extended period of time, and his situation got a little more complicated. He had to go back to his homeland to deal with a family matter. It's not affecting his timeline from his return to uh, from his underlying injury but without those two guys flying at at top speed this team won't be a contender in a tough division so I'm looking forward to seeing what they get when they get Liney back and if Domi can continue his current scoring pace 
Well, I'm running out of things to say about Colorado um, these days. <laughs> like, uh, 3-0-1 in the last week. In all four of those games, they had at least four goals. The, the game they lost, they put up five. Uh, they've got back-to-back wins with seven goals. Um, and, you know, this last week, the competition for them was a little light. Uh, Montreal, Ottawa, although um, Ottawa was the team that beat them, Philadelphia, uh, and then the Rangers, the Rangers are a good team. So, um, but three of those games should have been uh, a little bit easier. They'll get Detroit tomorrow night. So that's not going to make anything harder. Um, if there's one, you know, kind of thing, the goaltending obviously hasn't been outstanding when you consider they lost a game when scoring five goals uh, and they had to get seven against the Flyers because they gave up five. But none of those were at the feet of Darcy Kemper, who's back from injury. He gave up just three uh, last night. And really, I mean, offensively, look, what, what else, like I said, what else can you say? Devin Taves, seven points. Uh, Nathan McKinnon, six. Landis Guy, five. Nazem Kadri picked up an injury the other night. Uh, I haven't seen any kind of updates on, on his timeline or, or what, what uh, you know, if that might affect him. Um, leading into tomorrow's matchup, but it, so far it, it hasn't stopped them. They've had a few guys in and out throughout the year and they just, they just keep rolling. And speaking about a team that kept keeps rolling, they had a hit a first bump in a row in a long time last night. That's the Dallas stars, but they were up against the Las Vegas juggernaut. We'll have some more to say about them later on, but Dallas was on a run before that game when they allowed them total nine goals in seven games, Braden Hopi in that for four of those games. And, uh, and uh, until then, he was making a real good case for resting complete control away from Jake Ottinger in the goaltending mix. But he gave up a five spot tonight, last night uh, among a 45-shot barrage there. So maybe that he, you can give a mulligan just because of the number, amount of rubber that he faced. But the, the goaltending and defense in Dallas looking reminiscent of what we're used to seeing from this club. And you pair that with the fact that the offense is coming around, you consider – that uh, five of their key offensive players participated in the scoring last week. You had Robertson leading parade with five points. Pavelski, I know you're high on him. The veteran chipped in with four points. He's had a bit of a quiet stretch to start the season, but he's picked it up a lot of, of late. So back to his usual scoring pace when you look at the totals now. Uh, Tyler Sagan with two goals. Jamie Benn with four points. They're keeping these guys apart. Uh, they were a dynamic duo here for a long time, but they're spreading the offense around. And a big part of it uh, right now is Rupe Hintz, who's on a very nice streak, and he added to it with three points last week as well. Paul, that's Wisconsin's own Joe Pavelski. I knew I knew that would get a rise out of him. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> um, it, in Detroit, like one and one last week. Like let's let's. There's not much to talk about offensively here. They're, they're just – here's what I'll say is tonight in terms of DFS, like this might be your one and only opportunity this month to use them. Uh, they're going up against St. Louis tonight. They've got a ton of uh, – St. Louis has a ton of guys banged up. They're using like their fourth-string goalie. Um, this might be the one opportunity because from here on out for Detroit, it's – Colorado, the Islanders, Carolina, the Devils, Colorado, Minnesota, the Rangers, the Islanders, Washington. Like, they might not win another game uh, the, the rest of the month after after this one in St. Louis. So, um, tough to be a Detroit fan right now. The, the team just – it just isn't there. I mean, they've, they've got some guys that uh, you, you know, 
are seeing flashes of good things from Sutter, Sider, Larkin. Um, but overall, it's it's just not a deep enough team with enough talent to really do much here. Yeah, the only guy that I would consider in DFS play among, uh, outside the two rookies there that we've talked about a lot is Dylan Larkin. He's got 21 points in 22 games and gets a ton of shots on goal. So if you're looking for a cheap center, you'll find one in Detroit more often than not, the way the team's rolling right now. Up next, we'll talk about the Edmonton Oilers. This is a team that's offensively has been rolling all season, but they went 0-3 last week, AJ. Things dried up just a tad, and they played some tough opponents. And uh, Miko Koskinen continues to be Miko Koskinen. He's allowed 16 goals in his last five tilts. And uh, I wonder, Scott Skinner was going well until a pair of four goals against games recently. I was wondering if they'd give him an extended run in the net, but maybe he's ceded control back to Koskinen with those four spots. And then I'm looking at the top six, wondering why they can't find a guy to fill out that second line better than Kyler Yamamoto. He's flopping, in my opinion, as the second line right winger. He's only got five goals and one assist. How do you get one assist playing next to Leon Dreisaitl and, and Ryan Nugent-Hopkins? I don't get that. And so that's a, that's a damning indictment, if you ask me. And he's only got two points in his last ten. I don't know how much longer he's going to hold on to that to top six role. So that's something to keep an eye out, folks. Well, it actually will be uh, Stuart Skinner in the nets for them tonight. So he is, he is going to get another one. But, yeah, you're right, Paul. It does seem uh, like Koskinen going to kind of carry the load for them moving forward. In Florida, a, a 2-0-1 week for them. The biggest news here uh, was good on Tuesday when Alexander Barkov returned to the lineup. Uh, he scored a goal, but he had to leave that game early uh, after suffering a, an undisclosed injury. Uh, it's not clear if the, the newest injury is related to that knee that previously cost him eight games. So that's a really big blow um, for them. You know, they still don't have Anthony Duclair back, who, you know, not obviously not a, a superstar player, but certainly a top nine, if not top six guy. Um, so they're, they're really missing – some pieces uh, that I think eventually it's going to catch up to them. It really hasn't so far. They've been good enough and, and doing just fine while Barkov was gone. But I think as the season carries on, they, they need to get him healthy um, and in the lineup if they're going to you know have any kind of postseason success. The L.A. Kings, I think, are, are doing some nice things in terms of a rebuild that's going on on the fly, AJ. I like their left wing, uh, the way it's composed right now. Adrian Kempe and Alex Aofalo have made steady progress each of the last couple of seasons and contributing regularly to the offense. A third guy that was supposed to contribute in the mix has been dealing with COVID protocols, and that's Andreas Afanasiu. He's about ready to come off that list. And at the same time, Blake Lazat is on that list. So one comes and one goes, it seems, in, in L.A. I still like their one-two punch at center with Kopitar and Deneau. And they're grooming a third guy, Rasmus Kupari, who's getting third-line minutes in a, a well-insulated role. Uh, I'd like to see what he can do with Athanasiu if uh, he can come back off the, uh, off the COVID protocols and see what they look like together. And former Leaf farmhand Trevor Moore is getting a look, and he's properly suited as a third-line winger on the right side. So that's a pretty good little thumbnail on what's happening among the offense there. But on defense, Drew Doughty has been limited to only a handful of games. So I think he's played 11 games. AJ's got nine points so far this year. Not all about offense. This guy's about leadership and a two-way player uh, who can log a lot of minutes. And really, a lot of eyes are on him north of the border to see if he qualifies himself 
as a, a depth player for Team Canada and the upcoming Olympics. He's been a fixture in contention for the defense throughout his career in the NHL, and I wonder if he'll get another look. But it's a very competitive group uh, that's competing for the, the last positions that I project on Team Canada's roster. And maybe in a few weeks we'll get a uh, take a hard look at, at the U.S. And, and Canadian rosters in a bit of a preview uh, we can anticipate in early in the new year, AJ. But for now, that's some of the news that's going on in Los Angeles. Well, the U.S. will have the best coach uh, at the tournament, so that's that's the important part there. Um, for those that don't know, it's Pittsburgh's Mike Sullivan is coaching the team. Uh, in, in Minnesota, it's a seven-game winning streak for the Wild right now. And, look, we can talk about the forwards, Kaprasov, uh, Zuccarello, Har- uh, Hartman. They, they've all been fantastic, but I, I think the focus needs to be on these netminders here. Cam Talbot uh, was in the nets for five of those, Kakonin for the other two. And between the two of them, they are facing over that seven-game win streak an average of 35.1 shots per game. I mean, these are not wins where they're going out and facing 20, 21 shots and, and coming away with a win. These guys have faced a barrage of rubber of late. Talbot, for his part, uh, 951 is the save percentage. Kakonen is 935. The goals against averages are, are both, uh, you know, Kakonen's a shade above two at 201. Uh, Talbot's at 174. Like, these guys have just been phenomenal while facing a, a lot of a uh, lot of shots. And, you know, I, I don't have the data in front of me in terms of, you know, are they high-quality chances or are they just shots from the outside? But they're they're – the pucks are getting through, right? A, a block is not a shot. So the, the the pucks are getting on net. These guys are making a ton of saves. And, and really, I, I give them a lot, if not most of the credit uh, for this winning streak right now. AJ, in Montreal, the news is mostly bad. But the best news of all is Carey Price was back on the ice in full uniform, not yet practicing with the team. And the coach said uh, yesterday that uh, they still don't expect him to be back before Christmas. So that means we're looking at a January return, possibly, for the signature player in Montreal. And this team's going to be way too far out of contention for that to matter. Uh, so uh, it's uh, they might as well really be careful about the biggest asset that they have there. In terms of what's going on on the ice, Nick Suzuki and Cole Coffey have, have been split up even though they each contributed three points to pace the offense last week. But man, oh man, you look at the injury list and it's growing. And the fact is that they'll be missing their three most physical players among the forwards for uh, a little while. Joel Armia, maybe the Joel Armia, probably the only one listed day to day, but Tyler Tafoli listed week to week, Josh Anderson, same thing. So we probably won't see those guys for the balance of December and into the new year. And that's a ter- terrible blow for this team, forcing them to put Mike Hoffman up at first line left wing. He's got a total of four goals and he's a minus nine on the season. And Jonathan Drouin, who started the season well, is sputtering at best right now. And then you look at the center depth and, and I have to go to the AHL listings to find these names. Usually it's Ryan Poling at second line, Laurent Dauphin at third and Cedric Paquette as the fourth line center. That's because Christian Dvorak is also listed day to day. So I'm, I'm all for kicking this team when they're down, but I, I'm getting tired of it, my friend. I got to say that. So <laughs> I hope, hope for, for the Montreal fans that they have something to cheer about in the new year, but a playoff spot will certainly not be one of those things. You know, it's bad when Paul gets tired of dumping on a team like that. That is that is bad, Paul, because uh, you, you've you never shied away from from dumping on them. 
Another team that's that's really struggling right now is the New Jersey Devils. One, two, and one is the record for the last week. And, you know, the the performances by the netminders have been fine. They, they're not great, but uh, Mackenzie Blackwood won one and one with a, a 904 save percentage. Like, he did get a shutout in there as well. Like, the, the numbers aren't terrible. It's just that there's no offense here, especially from guys that you expected from. You know, Pavel Zaka, pointless. Um, you know, PK Subban making $9 million to get one assist in those last four games. Uh, Jack Hughes, I'll give a little bit of a pass because he is just returning from that lengthy injury absence. He managed two points in last week. Same with Nico Heischer. Um, if there's a guy that is rolling for them, it's Jasper Bratt with one goal and three assists over that stretch. And Dougie Hamilton, a, a trio of helpers here. But, you know, they're going to need – they don't – this is not the devil's team that could go out and score one goal because Marty, you know, Martin Berdeur was un, unbeatable, right? Like the, this is not that team and they're going to need offense to help these goalies out. Uh, obviously better goaltending play would be helpful. I, I wouldn't, I won't say these guys are perfect, but I don't think they've been bad um, and they're just not getting any support. Well, uh, the, the predators, when we talk about the predators, we normally talk about the stout, the stout defense and the, punchless offense but this year this the, the script has been flipped a little bit uh considering that uh stalwart on defense matthias ekholm uh, he's day, listed day-to-day with an illness right now similarly as uc saros in the nets but let's talk about ekholm for a moment here he's got only a, a handful of assists like four or five and no goals and normally he's he's a scoring defenseman for this club but this season has been a season for, uh, from hell for him and Normally, we also list him as among the best value plays when you consider the contracts that they sign. He got a bump in pay, and his, his performance on the ice has gone due south. And so big surprise in, in the way things have gone for him. And it really weakens the outlook from the back end. Felipe Myers was brought in to also help in the back end, but he's a third-pairing guy in this mix. And that leaves a lot of the load to Roman Yossi, who will again be in the Norris discussion because he's doing what Roman Yossi things again this season. And uh, we talk a lot about the rebound seasons for Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne, but their big player on the, on the offense, he got a four four goal game a couple of uh, maybe a week and a half ago, and he had another pair last week. So he's continuing to fill in that, and that's Philip Forsberg. But Eli Tolvanen is also taking a step in his development and has a lock on the second line left wing role. So the offense has come around here. They've got a nice one two punch at center with Grandlin and Johansson that's really carrying the mail and afforded them the luxury of playing a revitalized Matt Duchesne on the right side of that top line. So the offense is in gear and it's the defense that's struggling for a change in Nashville. Well, on Long Island, you know, the the thing with their week is everything has just been fine. It hasn't been good. And, and that's indicative in their record, which is one Oh and three. Um, I, I will say that the three, you know, overtime and, and shootout losses are, not against the, the most stout of teams. They lost to uh, the Sharks in OT, Detroit in OT. Uh, losing to Chicago in a shootout is, you know, not a big deal. And then they did beat Ottawa. But, like, you look offensively, Barzell, six points in those four games. Wallstrom continues to produce. So, like, offensively, they've been doing good, which to me, you look at the net minding. Again, it's been okay. Um, I think maybe it might be time to give Simeon Varlamov a, a bigger share of the Nets. He only played in one of those three games. His numbers were better in that one than than the three games for for Ilya Sorokin. So if there's maybe a criticism, it's it's there. But 
this is about finishing games, right? You know, it's, it's uh, not inherently anything wrong, but a different bounce of the puck, uh, you know, a, one little tweak in any one of those three games could have been wins. And then suddenly we're talking about them on a four game win streak. So uh, I, I think things are fine. Um, they just need to figure out how to, how to win these close games. AJ, when we talk about the Rangers, I'll fill you in on what I saw on one of their broadcasts last week. Henrik Lundqvist is in their intermissions now, and I don't think he's coming anywhere near the ice for any games in the near future. He looks extremely comfortable doing this new gig, and I don't think there's an NHL that looks better in a three-piece suit than this guy. Uh, just a GQ uh, quality look every time out. So he's entrenched in the media now, and that leaves the goaltending mix to a couple of guys, the young guys that they have a lot of faith in going forward. But Shesterkin was out of the lineup, and by all accounts should be back in by Friday of this week. But the luxury of having two quality guys was shown as uh, Georgiev filled in for three games in his absence. He won two of them, and he only allowed a total of four goals against. So the goalkeeping is still in good hands despite King Henrik's move into the broadcast booth area. Artemis Panarin is a guy that started a little slowly out of the gate and caused me to wonder, is he going to make a play to be in the top 10 scorers again in the league? But uh, he went out and got eight points last week, three goals and five assists to remind everybody that he's still one of the top offensive players in this league, and he's surrounded by a lot of talent here offensively. Uh, Ryan Strom also chipped in. He's had a bit of a, uh, a lull in the early part of the season, but looks like he's gone full tilt. And I, I know you're a big fan of Adam Fox. He chipped in with another five points, and he is starting to separate himself along with a couple other defensemen as the best players at that position in hockey and uh, full value for that recognition. Ryan Reeves even chipped in with three assists. Well, we'd like to mention one of the league's toughest guys whenever he gets on the scoring sheet because uh, – I don't want him bothering me. If, if I say bad things about him, I'll say that out loud for sure. But uh, a lot of offensive pieces firing. The goaltending in good hands. I think the news is all pretty good against around a Rangers club that went 3-1 and one last week. You know, when Matt Murray was sent down to the minors, I figured this was going to be a short-term you know what you know a, a message that they were sending right i figured the team would continue to struggle murray would maybe play a couple you know one two maybe three games in the minors and, and then they'd bring him back and and all would be right in the world um but that's not the case as as what's happened ottawa went three and one last week uh on the back of forbsburg who picked up three wins and, and nine goals allowed in that stretch uh, so obviously the, the net mining appears to be in good hands here for his part in his one game in, in AHL Belleville, Murray gave up three goals, uh, on, on 33 shots and in, in a losing effort. So like, it's not like he went down there facing inferior competition and immediately, you know, pitched a shutout or something. He looked just as bad down there as he has, uh, in the NHL. So, I, I think this could be, especially, I mean, especially if Forsberg's playing this way, but this may be a more permanent uh, switch, at least until we get closer to the trade deadline. Maybe they try and dump that contract uh, and send him somewhere, but but we'll have to see. I definitely did not think that he would have been in the minors for, for quite so long as he already has. I, I really thought this was going to be a short-term thing. Well, the Flyers would hope that their 10-game winless streak comes to an end very soon, too. And uh, it's been tough sledding for a team that I know you, you really love deep down. So <laughs> struggle continues for you. But um, when you look at issues that this club has, they are, they're still trying to find out what's going on with 
Travis Konechny, no goals, three assists in his last nine games. This is a guy who's held down the right wing, the top job on the right wing for the last couple of seasons, and his goal scoring has gone wanting. Uh, on the plus side, Giroud continues to produce with three points. Atkinson woke up after a bit of a, a slump with two goals for himself. And then Morgan Frost, a guy that uh, is the son of the Leafs in-game announcer uh, who was here for years, Andy Frost, a good friend. Uh, he has produced three points in seven games on the left side with uh, the club uh, on the big stage. He's a former first-round pick, and I hope he gets an extended run because uh, I remember all the talent he showed in junior, and it's considerable, and he could be part of the solution here in Philadelphia as they look to get out of this lengthy slump. So, AJ, that's uh, where we usually take a break now to take uh, a look uh, at the rest of the teams. You'll have to wait till we come back from the, uh, the next uh, couple of pauses here for our sponsors and such and you're listening to the statsman and aj on rotowire's podcast and uh we also have our dfs portion to look forward to so hang in there folks that we'll be back right after this we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back. But uh, before we get into the last 12 teams here, AJ, you want to tell our listeners about our friends at Owner's Box? Yeah, are you looking for a new way to play fantasy sports? Owner's Box offers two game types, tournaments, salary cap, and head-to-head live drafts. All new players receive a $25 bonus when they deposit $10 or more on the platform. Be sure to check out Owner's Box's new Superflex salary cap game, a revolutionary new way to play fantasy football that brings a new strategic alternative to the traditional season-long formats and daily fantasy games. The Superflex salary cap format, available only on Owner's Box, removes the kicker in defensive position slots and focuses only on offensive players. Users will build their nine-player lineup while staying under the $50,000 salary cap. Large prize pools will be available throughout the season. The Superflex position gives the user the option to select an additional quarterback, running back, wide receiver, or tight end, but ultimately it makes the quarterback a premium position versus other fantasy formats. And don't worry, listeners, Owner's Box also has NHL contests, including GPP tournaments, for their unique one-week fantasy format. Play the Owner's Box Salary Cap Contest for free. Use promo code DREW9, that's D-R-E-W-9, for a free $10 entry into the Sunday-only Salary Cap Contest. AJ, let's have you remind our listeners also about how to get in touch with us during the week with all the player movement around. I'm sure there's lots of people that have questions for you and me, and we love answering. Yeah, absolutely. We always encourage you to send comments or questions about fantasy hockey, your team. Uh, you know, t- talk to Paul about about baseball. I'll talk to you about soccer, whatever. Uh, y- you know, whatever topic. I mean, I'll talk to you about baseball if you want, but it's not going to be super insightful. <laughs> Same with me and soccer, my friend. <laughs> but uh, you can reach me on Twitter at AJ Scholes. That's at AJSCHOLZ24. And you can reach Paul the Statsman at Statsman22. If we get any really good questions, we'd be happy to talk about that at the top of one of our next shows. AJ, why don't you lead us into your favorite club? What's going on in Pitt? Well, yesterday, the four-letter words were a-flying when news came out that Jake Gunsel was labeled week-to-week with an upper body injury. Uh, If if you watch that game like I did, uh, at at one point, he appeared to block a shot with his hand. So my guess is that is related. Interestingly, he scored, I think, one or two of his goals uh, in that game after that injury. He so that, that that part of it was was a little bit interesting. But obviously replacing him right now is going to be next to impossible when you consider the fact that he was, is on a 13-game point streak. He's got 12 goals over that stretch, six power play points. Like, Gunzo has been absolutely unstoppable of late. Um, and the guy who's going to get a crack at that is Kasperi Kapanen, who a- admittedly, classified his game of late as as terrible that's uh that's not my assessment that's the direct quote from Kasperi Kapanen at one point they had him playing on the fourth line um you know but uh they're they're gonna need somebody to step up and and play on that top line Evan Rodriguez will stay there 
Uh, it looks like Rodriguez will actually move to the left where Gensel plays, and then Kapanen moves up to the first line. So some shuffling around because of that injury. They obviously are still without Evgeny Malkin and Brian Rust. Um, so really, if you think about it, it's three of their top six guys, uh, you know, when all things being equal, are, are out of the lineup right now. And in Seattle, uh, they are happy that one of their key cogs, in fact, their captain, Mark Giordano, could soon return from the COVID protocol. In fact, before the show, I saw that he could be back in the lineup tonight, but I stand to be corrected by our crack staff at Rotoway headquarters, including my uh, illustrious partner here, AJ. So if you have any news about that, you can chime in. But I wonder when he returns, how will it affect Jamie Alexiak? Because he's filled in admirably in the high leverage situations with added work on the power play and et cetera, with five points in his last five games played, he was counted on for offense from the back end, and he supplied it in at a time when they really needed it, when their captain was on the sidelines. Alex Wenberg continues to be an important piece at center, holding down the top spot. He has four uh, points in four of the games straight with 10 shots on goal. Credible uh, numbers if you're into the DFS thing. And Yanni Gourd in the second line center role, it has five points in his last five games, so some strength down the center, a key to making this team uh, tough out most nights, but uh, they need all hands up Tom Beck to do that. They're also getting serviceable net mining when you consider Philip Grubauer's back, and he has allowed three or fewer goals against all comers in his last nine starts, though one of those times was an early pull, so maybe that's the one blemish on his record. So now that they're getting a little bit healthier, they're going to be a little bit more of a tougher out. Uh, teams should not take a chance on taking this team for granted right now. Out on the West Coast with the San Jose Sharks, I think probably the most interesting storyline from this last week has been uh, kind of the fall of Kevin LeBanc. I mean, you look back, uh, 2018-19, puts up 17 goals, 39 assists. Everything seems to be trending in the right direction. His numbers have dropped off the last two years, but you could you could certainly have chipped that up to the, the shortened season. I, I don't think... Personally, I, I noticed any red flags there, but this week, uh, yesterday, in fact, he was a healthy scratch uh, for this team. Uh, you know, had been playing, you know, is going to get back into the lineup uh, for their next game here, but he's in a fourth line role. He's pointless uh, in his last six games, uh, seven games without a goal. Uh, and really, like I said, this was a player that everything seemed to be trending up a couple of years ago. He looked like, you know, one one more year in the league and, and 20 goals was certainly going to be uh, right there for the taking. And a, and a guy that would be right in the mix for 20 and, you know, 20 goals, 50 to 60 points every year. But it just isn't coming right now. And, and you have to wonder why and, and if San Jose at some point we'll consider trying to move him if only just, you know, to get some value, you know, somebody, everybody sees those stat lines, um, but you're not paying a guy 4.7, you know, million dollars to, to fill a fourth line role. Exactly. And it's some of those depth players in St. Louis that were in those third and fourth line roles, AJ, good segue that have been forced into more prominent roles because this team is getting a rash of injuries altogether, upper and lower body injuries galore to the likes of Robert Thomas, Tyler Bozak, David Perron, James Neal's on an extended absence as well. And so that's decimated the forward ranks, but it's given Brendan Saad an opportunity to lock down the first line left wing role. And he's on the verge. Uh, he's in, on pace for the best offensive numbers in his career in terms of goal scoring. He's had quite a run, 
partnering up with Ryan O'Reilly, one of the better distributors of the puck at the center position, and uh, your Jordan Cairo uh, having a breakout campaign of his own. That's the good-looking first line, but Buknevich and Barbashev have moved up to fill out a second line alongside Vladimir Taras, Tar- Tarasenko, and then beyond that, it's uh, scraps alongside Braden Shen and so on, and they, they can't even fill out four prominent lines here with when you consider Nathan Walker and Dakota Joshua are the only two other forwards that are listed in the fourth unit. So I'll be curious to see how they fill out that, that uh, depth. And then on the back end, Justin Falk, who's had a nice season for them, is out right now as well. So it's injuries galore. Falk is in the COVID protocol, actually, so we don't know exactly when he's coming back. And the same can be said for Jordan Binnington. So the goaltending is in the hands of the likes of Charlie Lindgren and John Gillies, two guys who started the season in the AHL. Well, I think, you know, Paul, just add to that, they are going to have to go with just 17 skaters tonight. And and that's why I would highlight uh, using using Detroit here. Now, you could, from the flip side of that, uh, read that as their top guys are going to have to play a lot more minutes. So you could consider that that aspect of it as well. Um, but a couple of situations, you know, they've got a combination of injuries and COVID. They had to play a game without an extra guy um, because they're so hard up at the, against the cap. And once you play a game uh, with, with a guy uh, without that extra skater, there's an exemption to bring a guy up. And so they use that to recall Nathan Walker. But then in that next game, Jake Wallman got hurt. So now they have to play another game without an extra guy. And they've been using seven defensemen for a while because their forwards have been out. So now they have to play another game without an extra guy before they can make that call up. And the reason Charlie Lindgren is going to start in net for them tonight. Um, and part of that is because due to the, you know, the rules and the, the cap stuff here, they actually can't bring up Joel Holfer, who I think would actually be their preferred third net minder. They're so hard up against the cap with all this stuff going on that they had to bring up Lindgren because he makes less money. Yeah, the same same thing happened in Toronto with with Michael Hutchinson getting a start early in the season. Uh, a yep. couple of teams that are right up against the cap getting caught here. Those are two examples that we've seen, and tonight it's in play. So uh, judge your DFS options accordingly is what I'll say. What about in Tampa? They have no issues. Uh, they're on fire with four straight wins, partner. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you look, um, they do have some concerns about Anthony Sorelli. He's a game time decision tonight after picking up an injury. But in terms of, you know, the guys that have been producing it, it's all the names that you want to see. Palat, three goals. Perry, three goals, one assist. Hedman, eight points in their last four games. Uh, Stamkos with four points. So, yeah, it's, you know, the big question mark is if Sorelli uh, can play or not. Regardless of that, Riley Nash, who they claimed off waivers, is going to get into the game tonight. This is a guy that at one point was a 40-point producer in Boston. Uh, hasn't been that the last couple of years, but he's going to get a shot to maybe revamp his career here in Tampa Bay. Yeah, and they, of course, have a clash tonight against division rivals, the Toronto Maple Leafs. And partner, uh, I hate to say this for Leaf fans, but I think this is the first-round matchup that Toronto's going to get this season if they finish second or third in this division. I don't, I don't know that either... Club is going to catch Florida this season, so a real tough out for the Leafs to try and think about snapping uh, the franchise's lengthy uh, 
playoff drought uh, to start. So I uh, I say that with a lot of trepidation. And both teams going to tonight's game missing a lot of players. The Leafs will be without Mitch Marner as well. And so that uh, weakens their offense. And Travis Dermott could be out for another week. Both of these guys dealing with shoulder injuries. But offensively, they keep rolling along. along. And Austin Matthews is all of a sudden tied for third in NHL goal, goal scoring. I knew he'd be a factor in this goal scoring race even though he had a bit of a slow start, but I had no idea he was going to get back into it so quickly. And I think the odds are still showing him as the favorite. Uh, I'll say despite whatever Ovechkin has done so far, I have a sneaking suspicion that uh, the next updated odds will show Matthews as the guy that's uh, going to be expected to lead the pack again. And I wouldn't bet against him right now. And that goes even for that the guy who's going wild in Edmonton, Dreisaitl. He had a dry week that, himself this past week. Uh, other news, Jason Spezza had two goals and one helper. Before he got suspended, he served one of the six games, and he'll be out for five more. Morgan Riley is another guy. We talked about Drew Doughty and his aspirations for Team Canada. Riley's made no secret about the fact that he wants to qualify as well. He had seven assists last week and is suddenly among the top top uh, options among Canadian defensemen in the entire NHL, so I think he's in a good situation looking forward. Willie Nylander continue, continues to plug away with three points, but Nick Ritchie it was the big surprise to some last week, he had a goal and two helpers finally getting his first goal of the season. He's got eight points year to date, AJ. But the encouraging thing for me is that six of them have come in his last eight games, and he's found a home as a third liner with Andre Kasha and David Kampf on a pretty neat third line that's usually mostly in a checking role. So, uh, the news is all pretty good in Toronto, except for the injury woes. And Michael Bunting, at 25 years of age, is in the hunt for the rookie scoring leadership. He's got 19 points on the wing with uh, Austin Matthews and uh, in 26 games. And if those numbers translate over the rest of the season, he'll be in the mix and a uh, surprising uh, contender for that role. Sorry, Paul. I fell, I fell asleep there uh, listening to you uh, <laughs> yeah, talk about your leaves there. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, the Dermot injury is uh, obviously a, a bit of a concern as well, but uh, it doesn't sound like it'll be as bad as, as Marner. So should have him back sooner rather than later. In Vancouver, it looks like the shakeup has somewhat benefited them over the last week. They went 2-1 and one, uh, completely on the back of Thatcher Demko here. And look, I have to say uh, I am surprised – how much Demko has been playing. Uh, you know, you look at the season, uh, they've they've played 27 games. He's been in net for 22 of them. Um, it's not like they have some untested backup uh, in, in Yaroslav Halak. I know his numbers, you know, in, in the past, you know, past couple of years, there have been some times where they've been bad. I just didn't expect personally that, that Demko would take this heavy – of a workload. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely surprised by that. Uh, and then we'll, we'll see if that continues. Generally speaking, it looks like it's been at, you know, five games has kind of been the most. So it could be that they'll use Halak for, for their next game, uh, their next game here, just cause that seems to be the trend, but he's also, you know, four and one in his last five. It, that includes a shutout against LA. So they could continue to roll with him against Winnipeg tomorrow night. So we'll have to see. AJ, I'm used to doing my prep and seeing a lot of injury notes on the uh, Vegas Golden Knights roster. There's only two among the prominent members of this team now. Alec Martinez still out with a neck injury. And, of course, Jack Eichel won't be back 
to make his debut here until possibly late February at the earliest with his new club. But boy, oh boy, all hands are on deck. And this team is on fire. They won all three games they played last week. Laurent Brossois receding for two of those wins, one in relief, actually, allowing a total of two goals against over those appearances. Up front offensively, Max Pacioretty with four goals and one assist. Mark Stone with two goals and three assists. They're the two big wingers on this club, resuming their first-line roles. And the happiest guy in the league must be Chandler Stevenson, who gets a center between these two guys again. Uh, but they're getting a lot of support scoring. Marchessault with two goals. Wah with two goals and two assists. Haig with three assists. Smith with three assists. Pietrangelo on the blue line with three helpers. This healthy lineup is is going to go on a roll, I think, for an extended period of time. I think they're tired of being in the bottom end of the, or middle of the standings, and I think they're going to make me look good if they can stay healthy by capturing this division flag going away. I don't see how a team with this much talent doesn't do anything but get back into first place. In Washington, uh, it's it's been another you know another good good week for them. Two zero and one. Uh, Ilya Samsonov with a pair of wins. And look, I, I'm a little surprised that uh, he's not more in the mix here as far as, you know, end of season awards. Uh, yes, you could point to the fact that so far he's only played in 14 games, but he's been taking a significantly heavier load of late. Uh, he's got seven wins and one loss in his last eight appearances, which gives him 11 wins in 14 games this year, three shutouts. Um, I really, you know, I think he should be, you know, better in the mix right now. And and I'll look, uh, pull up our friends here at DraftKings, the, the DraftKings Sportsbook in terms of Vesna Trophy winners. Right now, Samsonov would fall into the category of field. Any player not listed at plus uh, 120 or 1,200 rather. Um, and, and I really think... It, it wouldn't be worth a, a flyer there on that um, to, to take a shot at that just because he has been uh, so good here uh, this season. I, I, I think his name should at least be in the discussion right now for the Vesna. Well, one guy who's normally in the discussion for the Vesna is having a, a pedestrian year, I'll say, by his standard. Certainly he's got a winning record, Connor Hallibuck does. But last week was kind of symptomatic of what it's looked like. It's two wins in three starts, but a total of 11 goals against. The goals against average on the year is just a titch under 2.8, I believe. And that's not normally where he resides. It's a little lower than that. And uh, this team is another club that's getting a little bit healthier. Mark Scheifele looking at the top of his game finally after his own health issues recently with four goals and three assists. Nikolai Ehler is chipping with four goals. Pierre-Luc Duba has looked like the player I thought he was going to be in Winnipeg this season. Two goals and three assists added to his record. Blake Wheeler reaching the 1,000-point game uh, point uh, mark in uh, in his career. 1,000 games played against the Leafs that fateful Sunday night effort. He uh, had six assists last week in a very productive week for him. We mentioned Neil Pionk out with a concussion. That means that... Uh, Nate Schmidt is going to get a larger role on the back end, along with Josh Morrissey. Both these guys figure to get more high leverage minutes along the blue line. So keep an eye out for that. They could be nice, cheap options in DFS play. And that concludes our look at the the teams, but it leads us nicely into talk about DFS play. AJ, as we look at the slate tonight, a busy one with some marquee matchups. I mentioned Leafs and and, uh, the Bolts probably headlining it for me. 
but there's a lot to choose from around the league. And I wonder if we're going to be in sync. We've knocked it out of the park in our DK pick, DraftKings picks during the day and on the hits that we do for that show for quite a while. And I think we're in sync going into tonight's picks. I can't wait to hear what you've got in mind. Well, Paul, before I dive into that, I'll ask you a quick trivia question here. Blake Wheeler was taken fifth in the 2004 NHL draft. He just played in his thousandth game, as, as you alluded to. Who are the two other players taken in that draft class who have played in a thousand games? Any any quick guesses? I know I'm putting you on the spot here. No, tell me. Give me, give me. I, I don't want to take the time to think about it, but tell me. That, this is a good one. <laughs> well, the obvious one is is Alexander Ovechkin at, at 1223. He leads the way in that class in, in games and points. And then Travis Zajac has played in uh, 1,037 games, taken 20th overall in that class. So really a a pretty good class of of guys. And that's not even mentioning Evgeny Malkin, who went second overall there. Injuries have obviously limited him. uh, And he's at just 940 in terms of games played. So quick trivia before we get into DFS. Great question. (laughs) We'll – Look, we were on sync with this when we talked earlier, and I imagine we still will be here. But for me, the play tonight is to stack the Minnesota Wild going up against San Jose. Uh, Minnesota's been really, really good this season. Their top line continues to produce, and, and they're they're not cheap, but they're also none of them are really at the top of their price points. So you start with Ryan Hartman at 6,600 at the center position, Kirill Kaprasov 7,600 on the wings, and then Matt Zuccarello surprisingly comes in at just 4,800. Uh, he's been really, really productive of late. His, his numbers have been great. Uh, I, I think he's underpriced here on, on DraftKings. Uh, in terms of my other center, Paul, you mentioned using Dylan Larkin. I, I think grabbing at least a share of somebody in Detroit is, is worth it tonight. So I will use Dylan Larkin at 6,300. For my other winger, I'll use Sonny Milano at, at 4K. Uh, comes in uh, relatively inexpensive there. And I, I talked about how hot he's been of late. My blue line is essentially like, you know, guys in spots that could do something that won't cost me a lot. Jacob Slavin continues to be the number one power play guy for them with Brett Pesci and uh, Tony D'Angelo out. He's 5,300. He's had some decent production over the last four games with, with those guys sideline. And then Scott Perunovich for St. Saint, uh, Louis, he's going to be on their number two power play unit. He comes in at just 2,500. Like, this is a total shot in the dark. Detroit has their struggles. I kind of alluded to that. And, and this guy is going to play power play minutes in, in a situation where he probably wouldn't normally even be on the roster. So um, taking him low. My utility guy tonight is going to be Jonathan Taves, 4,400. He's had a, a difficult season. It hasn't been the same level of production you expect out of him. But as you said, Paul, they're playing in Montreal and the Habs have really been struggling. And then between the Nets, like for me, it's it's a don't overthink it night. I mentioned the number of shots that the Minnesota netminders have been facing. So you've got that floor going for you, even if Talbot gives up a goal or two. He is the confirmed netminder tonight, Cam Talbot going in uh, to San Jose. Well, partner, you you shied away from Marc-Andre Fleury. I highlighted him on today's show, and he's going to be my goalie of choice heading into tonight's action. And I look forward to his victory lap, celebrating win number 500. As the backbone of my team, he comes in really cheap tonight, considering the matchup. Montreal's offense decimated by injuries. And uh, 
Cole Caulfield aside, unless he breaks out, I don't know who they can look to as a scoring option for Montreal aside from him and Suzuki. Uh, other than that, uh, they'll be wishing for good luck from a uh, stroke of luck from somebody else. So Mar- Marc-Andre Fleury looks to me like a great cheap pick in the Nets, and that affords me to go big elsewhere. I, I like you, am on that Minnesota first line. We d- haven't talked glowingly about Minnesota's offense or Anaheim's offense in this spot or even on our show for years. But this year, both teams are on fire offensively and they are all over my my sheet for tonight's picks. Uh, in addition to the, the Minnesota trio, the interesting note on the price points, Hartman at $6,700, but big discrepancies here on FanDuel from, from DraftKings. Listen up, buddy. Matt Zuccarello, more appropriately priced, in my opinion, at $6,000, but Kirill Kaprasov, an expensive buy for me at $8,700, significantly more than I think you paid for him on, on DraftKings. Then, uh, I mean, Trevor Zegers and Sonny Milano have formed a real good partnership. We saw in spades on Twitter how good that looked with that spectacular goal that they combined on. But it's not just a one-trick pony. They've been doing it all season long, and both are on heaters right now. So Zegers fills out my center slot with a $6,400 price tag. Milano at $5,400, so cheap value there. I round out my forwards with Eli Tolvanen, who's got a couple of goals in the last week with Nashville, and they're playing an Islanders team that has yet to win on home ice. And I think that streak is uh, still going to be intact after tonight's action as the struggling Islanders are visited by a Nashville club that also can put the puck in the net with great regularity. I'm rounding out my offense with Matt Zuccarello, and Kirill Kaprasov, uh, as I mentioned, the Minnesota duo that really is on fire along with Hartman of late. So their prices are $8,700, $6,000, as I said. Rounding out my defense, I went expensive with a bit of a flyer here, avoiding the Edmonton offensive pieces, but willing to put in Darnell Nurse for $6,300. This guy loves the physical play, and he loves playing the uh, – signature teams in the league as well. And I think that tonight, tonight's visit from Boston will provide him with a unique challenge that will motivate him. And he's been productive at both ends of the ice partner all season long. And then I round out my defense with Nate Schmidt. I spoke about that role that he's assumed in Winnipeg with Pionk's absence. He's accepted and been very productive of late, averaging over 10 points per game in FanDuel play, priced at only $4,200. So along with Flurry and the Nets, I love the look of my squad tonight. And I'm, I'm betting on a nice big win. So with that said, AJ, we've had a lot of news to, to talk about, and uh, I, I hope we can continue to talk more about on-ice stuff rather than suspensions and, and the situation in Arizona. But uh, as we make the turn toward Christmas, uh, I think trade talk will start to heat up as teams continue to separate themselves, and I think that will be a bigger part of our show going forward. So that's something I always look forward to every season. Any thoughts about all of that? Yeah, I mean, I, we definitely uh... – should get some more of that coming out of out of the Christmas break. It's you know things are going to be a little wonky. I think this year in terms of you know the the Olympics um, and and how that factors in. Assuming they're still going to go, um, you know, with the the COVID numbers and everything, there's some concern that the yeah. NHL can put the kibosh on that. But um, that that'll put a bit of a. I, I think it's going to damp down the stuff that we see in February. Mm-hmm. Um, with teams being off so much, but it's, it could also do the opposite. You know, GMs could have some more time on their hands to, <laughs> to ponder these things. So uh, we'll have to see. Yeah. And you know, we'll be on top of it here on the podcast that wraps up our look around the league for 
this week in the NHL. Thanks for listening to Rotorwire Signature Fantasy Hockey Podcast. Podcast with Statsman and AG. We also thanks our sponsor at Owner's Box. Check them out. You'll be glad you did. In the meantime, as always, please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. As always, we invite you to listen in to podcasts to get our tips to stay out of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody. 